Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online, approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on mm-hmm. when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though. And so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth. And then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Uh, thanks so much for uh, tuning in. Uh, just a reminder before we get started, uh, if you guys would like to support what we're doing here with the Gatekeepers, uh, you know, one way that you can do that is with our plugged in membership. Go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Uh, you know, it's something that you guys can help support us. Uh, it's 10 bucks a month. You get a bunch of extra uh, perks and benefits, everything, including 30% off of everything in our bookstore. Uh, you get access to our Destroy Social Justice Conference. I'm also going to be starting um, a podcast that will be streaming live for members only, as well as we're are, we're going to start throwing in some extra perks and benefits and everything for you as well. So definitely something to check out, gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. And one other, one other thing really quick, if you guys pre-order our book, Church and State, How the Left Use the Church to Conquer America, gatekeepersonline.com slash store, use code Jeff at checkout for 10% off. Uh, that's going to be available within the next uh, couple of weeks. So definitely, definitely check that out. Uh, really excited about uh, today's guest. We've got uh, Debbie DeGroff joining us. Debbie, uh, welcome to Conversations with Jeff. Glad we could sit down and we could uh, we could chat here for a little bit. Thank you for having me. Of course, and and so and so you you know you wrote the book uh, between the covers, and in in it's really interesting uh, because it's something that I think that a lot of Christians have been concerned about, but I don't think everybody knows the extent of what's actually in all of the children's books, and you've done a very, very good job of exposing for parents to understand what's actually going on. What inspired you to write this book and really dive into this topic? Well, I had always been a voracious reader, but I started taking my kids to the library when my oldest child learned how to read. This was over three decades ago. And I started checking out all of the latest acquisitions, the new books with the shiny covers, And I found things weren't as I remembered the books to be. So I kept reading and reading and reading. And, of course, when you start out with juvenile books, they do not take very long to read. Parents seem to have the misconception that if they start reading what their children want to read before they do, that it's going to take them the rest of their life. But it really doesn't. They're, you know, some of those books take an adult 15, 20 minutes to read of the juvenile ones. So that's how I started and and just kept moving up. And it's been a long, long journey. And I've had to learn a lot of things about education issues. I learned a lot from Dr. Judith Reisman about Kinsey because that was applicable to the research that I was doing. So you know, it's it's been hard, but it's it's been good. I never wanted to write a book. I only wanted to just teach parents so that they would know that they needed to look between the covers 
and find out what exactly their kids were reading. Yeah, and, and I think that that's that's one of those things that's that's so important is that. Um, and I always say this about, you know, entertainment in general, whether it's movies or television or, you know, even books and, you know, things like that is it, it has this ability to influence people without them even realizing it. And I think that that's kind of the dangerous subtlety, I guess you could say, of a lot of these books is that, you know, kids are reading them and they just take it at face value. And then now it's influencing future generations without any kind of pushback or correction or anything like that. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. No matter if the economy is up or down, healthcare careers continue to grow, especially in management. Stevenson University Online's Master's in Healthcare Management can put your career on a new track, especially for career changers with previous business, HR, or technology backgrounds. Discover new opportunities with our healthcare management Masters, no GREs, no application fees, and 100% online. Visit online.stevenson.edu slash healthcare management. I think that you put that very succinctly, that if there was one message that I wanted parents to get, it is exactly what you just repeated right there. And they have no idea the influence that these books have on the children. Number one, when you read it as an adult, you're looking at it from a different perspective. You're bringing all the knowledge that you have filling in the blanks. For example, if someone gave half a scripture, as an adult that's versed in the scripture, you might not even realize they didn't finish the scripture because you finished it in your head. And it's the same thing. When the kids are reading this, they're at a disadvantage. They do not realize what is being omitted. They do not realize the fallacies and that their worldviews are shifting. And the problem, Jeff, is that for years, parents have assumed that books were somehow safe and neutral. You know, they worried about movies or they worried about television, but books are safe and neutral. And nothing could be further than the truth. Usually those ideologies are reflected in children's books before they're reflected in the television and the movies and become mainstream. Yeah, and, and that, that's that, that's really interesting too. And, you know, and I think, you know, like a lot of times, you know, we think, okay, well, so these kids, they're going to public schools. Uh, you know, they're probably getting lefty talking points and things like that. But... I don't think that parents really fully understand not only what are they being taught in schools, but also what what's in the books that the kids are actually being assigned to read. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Because I think I think it's going to be a big eye opener for a lot of parents. Well, first, I would like to clarify that normally homeschoolers learned how to read phonetically. Normally, they're better readers. So who reads more? And when you have homeschool parents who are so careful about their children's friends, what they watch, all these different things, but because it's free, they take them to the library more often, assuming that they're safe and neutral. And so often it is homeschoolers that are affected also. So I do not want to leave it that it is just, you know, public school children. Another problem while we're dealing with this area is Christian schools typically have a lower budget. I think we could agree to that, right? Right, right. And so when they try to establish a library, a lot of times it's dependent on grandma and mommy going to book sales and yard sales and picking up children's books. And when you look at the covers, you have no idea because no one would anticipate that there is this much in children's books. Now, without being explicit on your podcast, we just let me say that major publishing companies 
have everything from sadomasochism, anal sex, oral sex, fisting, homosexual sex, heterosexual sex. There is nothing that is left out. Uh, in fact, if it can be viewed in hardcore porn, it is done textually in books for teens. Yeah, and and that and see, like that—that's the crazy thing in in all of this is that we have all these laws that are supposed to be there to protect kids uh, from from this sort of thing. But for whatever reason, when it comes to it being in written form or illustrated or whatever it might be, all of a sudden now it's okay because because it's literature, it's in a book. How, how do we even get to that point to where to where the adults that are making these decisions think that this is appropriate? Well, I'm not sure that they think it's appropriate. I think they know that they're corrupting. But when you read the obscenity laws, technically text is included. Okay, now there's a couple of factors here. First of all, in about 43 states, there are obscenity exemptions. This means that schools and libraries are not held to the same standard. Some of this, if you read to my grandchildren, you'd be in jail for a long time, and when you got out, you would be a registered sex offender. But when it's done on libraries and, uh, you know, in school situation, it's considered educational. Okay? However... You know, and I'm not one, I'm not a book censor. There's a big difference between censorship, free speech, and obscenity. Obscenity is against the law, and obscenity has harsher penalties when it applies to children. Okay, so your publishing companies that are marketing this to children, they don't have those protections. So you have to ask yourself, how is it that they're getting away with that? Well, most of them are owned by the six big corporations. So they've got more money than you do to go after them. They could keep you until you were, they had bled you dry. Okay, and then what happens? If you look at all the obscenity arguments through the decades, they have to do with one book. You know, if you go back and you look at Allen Ginsberg and his books, okay, well, you know, one, or Henry Miller. So what are we going to do? Take every book out of a library, read one at a time, and file a lawsuit against all these various publishers one at a time? It's not going to happen. And they know that. And they keep pushing the limit, and they're pushing the limit, and pushing the limit. And I can tell you, quite honestly, there's not a lot you're going to be able to do to change that as far as lawsuits. But I don't know why it's easier for parents to want to go complain, so to speak. It's easier to do that than it is to say, hey, I'm going to take a look at what my children are reading. And when it comes down to it, that's your first course of action. You know, and one other thing that a parent can do um I can't tell you that this is true for every single library that they enacted. And I think some states are trying to counter this. But if you have a child with a library card, you can't check what they've checked out. That's in the Library Bill of Rights. So the best thing that a parent could do, since if your child is a minor, who's driving them there? You are, okay? You have a library card. So does it make any difference whether you sign it out or they sign it out? They're still going to get the book, but it's going to be under your name. So that is one thing where you can have a little bit of of control. Yeah. Now, now, you know, and I know you would said you know specifically with uh, with. Um like homeschool parents and families and things like that. This, this is also a problem again, you know, cause I, I grew up homeschooled, you know, my entire education was, was reading, you know, and that, and things like that. But w- when you're dealing with homeschool parents, um, is this typically coming in through going to the library or is this just them just thinking, Oh, well, this looks like a kid's book. I'm going to buy it for my kids to read and they take it home. Um, like, like how, how is that usually happening within the homeschool community? 
my guess would be the library. You know, you tend, most homeschool parents are trying to survive normally on one income, and you just don't have unlimited money just to, you know, buy books willy-nilly all the time without careful thought. So, you know, my my guess is it's typically um, typically through the library. Now, one more thing. If your child has a library card, and mind you, you cannot check what they've been checking out, they also have e-books. And, you know, some of them, I mean, I have one that uh, teaches teens fisting and uh, how to take care of their sex toys and all of that. And here in West Virginia, that is a regular West Virginia Reads ebook. You know, so while you think your child is home, not running around with a bad crowd or doing drugs, they could be in their room just instantly having these books downloaded to their device. Yeah, which, which, which again is, is scary, but it's also scary that it's coming from essentially a government run institution. And, and I think that, I think that that's, that's a whole other ball game because I think a lot of times we trust like the library, the library, it's it, like when you say it in your mind, you're thinking that's a neutral place. Like there's not going to be anything that's, you know, that's awful or off limits or whatever it is, but there's still plenty, plenty of stuff that's there. No matter if the economy is up or down, healthcare careers continue to grow, especially in management. Stevenson University Online's Master's in Healthcare Management can put your career on a new track, especially for career changers with previous business, HR, or technology backgrounds. Discover new opportunities with our Healthcare Management Master's. No GREs, no application fees, and 100% online. Visit online.stevenson.edu slash healthcare management. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com-spiritpark. Yes, there is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no doubt. And and something different if people are, you know, I'm a grandmother. So for people my age that remembers their pleasant visits to a library when they were children, you know, one thing you knew, quiet. It was quiet. You didn't talk. You were so excited to be there and to be able to, to choose a book. Well, now... They've got lock-ins and pajama parties and reading to a dog. Like, that's going to enhance your reading skills, <laughs> okay? You know, I mean, the drag queen story hour. I mean, everything goes on in a library except for reading anymore. You know, a, a large percentage of the people go there just to use the computers. And a lot of that is just playing games or answering their emails uh, you have a lot of pedophiles who've been discovered, you know, in libraries that are sitting on those computers. And some have no filters where they're actually watching porn. So, you know, that's a separate issue, what goes on with inside the library. But my focus is what is between the covers. Right, right. And, and, I, and I think specifically when it comes to that as well, I think I think a lot of times, obviously, we all agree that um, that. You know, there, obviously there's a lot of sexual themes that are, that are in these books and, you know, way, way, way too young and things like that. But there's also ide- ideological issues. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that I think is, is the more subtle, um, but maybe even more dangerous or at least equally as dangerous because we're literally from a young age, uh, you know, putting into their minds these leftist, uh, talking points and belief systems. 
and to where now when we're looking at the generation that's like behind me, the 20 somethings, I'm, I'm looking at them and they're almost all progressives. They're almost all full on Black Lives Matter, uh, Democrats, socialists, all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of it, we have to look back at the books that they read. You're absolutely right. And it isn't just the sexuality and the profanity. And I will add here that I have one book that has over 1,300 F-words that was published by the Children's Division of Simon & Schuster. But even more dangerous is the ideologies that you're putting into these children's heads. Now, a lot of these books that the progressive parents are buying for their children or are being read in preschools to the children start at birth. They start at birth. I mean, it's incredible to me when you look at the the age range. Uh, Most of those are really geared from around three to seven. And you have climate change. You have sustainability. You have every variation of LGBT, um, you know, anything that you can think of, Marxist ideology, lots of that. Uh, the Greta Thunberg, you know, you have all of hers, you know, we've got to panic, the house is burning down. And the thing that's different with these books for the very, very young is they are generally picture books. Okay, when you buy a picture book, the pages are normally a lot thicker, which means it's a lot more expensive than the book that you that you just put out, right? And you've got a really nice hardcover, and you've got professional illustrators. So as a parent, if you are buying those books for your children, you're paying a pretty good dollar for those books. Now... How many times do you read a picture book to a child? Over and over and over till you never want to see that book again. Okay? And so how many times are they getting that idea planted in their head? Uh, One of the articles on my website, which is whatsinsidechildrensbooks.com, is about uh, Clara Limlick, and it's about the shirtwaist fact. Um, strike of 1909 okay but if they look at that on my site they can watch it on YouTube somebody reads the whole book they don't have to take my word for it they read the whole book and look at the pictures and then read what I wrote about the Clara book one of the first questions you should ask is why was it so important I'm sorry I don't know what happened there how did that happen How did that happen? There we go. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. Okay. Number one, why would you choose a book on Clara Lemlick? She was a communist. Okay? In 1909, she wasn't card-carrying. She was already a revolutionary, but she wasn't card-carrying. But her son is actually mentioned in the Venona Papers. You know, he was one responsible for spying with the Soviets. So why would it be so important that that's a book? Hey, that's the one I want my kids to read about the, you know, the shirtwaist factory strike. You see, it doesn't make sense. You've got to start asking questions. And then when you start going through the book, you see the propaganda. And you have to, as a parent, ask yourself, what is the takeaway that my child is going to have? It's not the same takeaway you have because you know about these issues. But that child gets an affinity with the character, and they're easily shifted, just like you said at the very beginning. So this is the part that is more dangerous than the blatant, I think, than the blatant sexuality. Yeah, and and I think, too, like a lot of times what we see, I feel like, from the left is is a lot of times not talking about the specifics or the details especially when it comes to history a lot of times like what like when you hear like when i hear people that are my age or younger oftentimes what i'm hearing is these overgeneralized like america was founded on racism it was you know we abused the native americans it, it but but then when you get into specifics there were instances yes there were also instances where it wasn't systemic and things like that. But it, that takes nuance. It takes understanding history and what happened and people. But I think oftentimes when you look at these kids' books, it's just the big overall 
general theme, and then it's pushing a particular narrative. And then now everybody's all grown up and they're just parroting all the talking points that they've heard growing up. Yes. Yes, you're right. That's part of the problem. People forget. They think that children, oh, they'll grow out of it. No, you don't grow out of it. You get a bit bad habit, and a bad habit is hard to break. But this is all these children know, and these children have grown up. And so one of the things that's very interesting for parents to do, if there's a particular ideology, let's just say, uh, you know, in the last decade, the transgender issue has really been pushed heavily, right? Well, you can go back and you can see that the transgender book started in 2004 for kids. You see? So whatever it is, you can go back and you think in 2004, that was 16 years ago. So if the kid was 10 reading that, that might be your community leader today. You know, so whether it's Marxist ideology, whatever it is, these kids have grown up. You know, you can look at the Islam issue. And oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I mean... If anything, you would hate Israel with a passion after you read these children's books. Yeah, and I think specifically with with the Islam issue, I know that you know uh, several years ago uh, there was there was a lot of talk about you know out here in California of you know teaching it in schools and reinforcing it, and you know like they were even having you know like kids say the prayers as if they would ever do that with Christians, uh, right. but they would right. do that with with Islamic things and you know teaching tolerance and all that kind of stuff. But w- what are some of the things that kids are reading in the books um, that maybe parents aren't as aware about? Uh, you mean other than Islam, well, or or Marxism? maybe or maybe even maybe even like pertaining to Islam? What are some of like the main like you know like talking points and things that they're trying to teach the kids uh, about this um, to try to push a particular narrative? Well, they they try to instill that Israel is just a great occupier that is just going in willy-nilly because it's something to do today, and they're just annihilating people and homes, and and it's so insidious. I can't explain it exactly, but I do have three-part article on my website where I took a lot of the books and broke them down so that they could understand what the child is left with. Now, those also start at preschool. Now, in the picture books, they start out by just having, um, you know, the head, the hijab, um, a lot of books like that, or talking about uh, Ramadan. And when you get done as a little child, you wish your mommy had those because they're so stylish and they're so pretty and you want to wear one. That's that's the biggest thing. And they always have the nicest mommies. Okay? And then you you move up to the juvenile. And so they start adding what I'm noticing in the juvenile is the interfaith dialogue. Yep. Yeah, which which is which is you know all, all of my followers know that that are watching this like interfaith dialogue is really what got me into all of this like podcasting world was was confront was dealing with the the dangers of that uh you know so it's, it's been a few years of talking about that quite quite a bit right and it is you know as an adult these interfaith dialogue people are so well trained that you. Adults can sit there, a room full of them, and listen to these people and they think, oh my gosh, I never knew. We'd never know how to write or add or, you know, we would still be on our horses and all of that if it was not for Islam, right? Mm -hmm. What do you expect a child to think when they get done? Now, the interfaith dialogue, since you're, you're very, very familiar with that, One thing I noticed, I go and look at, uh, you know, public library sites all across the nation. And I have noticed that the books that are pushing that for juvenile, the schools don't have or the uh, public libraries do not have one copy or two copies. I mean, it is multiple copies and it's in audiobook form or CD or a book. 
Now, that says a lot. When you start looking at books, books are a dime a dozen. But when you see books that are in all of the schools with that same message, you know that that's the important message that they're trying to get across to the kids. Yeah, no, a- a- absolutely. And it, I th- and I think, too, like what, one of the interesting things that you were talking about was that, um, you know, things that are showing up in, in children's literature, that's almost a precursor for what's going to be in like the movies and things like that. Yeah. And then, and then from there, then it's a precursor for what we're going to start seeing in society and, and all of that mm-hmm. overall. What are some of the things that are be t- being talked about in children's books today where we can kind of begin to look into the future and see, okay, this is what they're pushing for in the next 10 to 20 years? Well, right now, um, for the past few years, it's pushing uh, ever since the Trayvon Martin. Okay, and I don't know if you've watched Joel Gilbert's Trayvon Martin hoax about where they switched the witness. No, have not seen that one. I probably should, though. Yes, you should. Probably have him on your show. Uh, But anyway, so many of these children's books, not all of them will say Trayvon's name. A lot of them do. But they're setting it up where these, these, the, the black kids, it's scary for them. I mean, you've got to put yourself in their place. They really believe from everything that they're reading and seeing and being indoctrinated in that they're just open game for somebody, you know, to to just blow them away if they go out. They're instilling a hatred, you know, and racial problems where there ought not be any. But that's what these kids are are believing. And then when you have the white kids, because these books are generally required now so that you have the tolerance and, you know, and all of that, you have the white kids who have been trained to be social justice warriors, See, they don't care what the cause is. You know, they're trained. Okay? So now they can be a social justice warrior for Black Lives Matter, you know, and and all of these groups. So it's scary. But I tell you what, when you start reading those books, they are so brutal. There's one called um, Ghost Boys. And the first scene... And this one's for juvenile, okay? When the first scene is the little boy is basically looking down on his dead body where he was just shot because, of course, he was playing outside and his grandmother and his mother told him never to do this, but he was playing with a toy plastic gun, okay? And so, of course, here came a cop and what did he do? He killed this little boy. And so the book details... Uh, all these ghosts of, you know, like Emmett Till and all these others that have been killed. And they, they, the cop that shot him's daughter, if I'm remembering right, she was about their age group. And she was able to communicate with that boy's ghost. You know, so, of course, she learned about all of the wrongs and everything they had gone through, you know, and hopefully how to rectify it. But, you know, this is the thing. It, it, just like a gay-straight alliance. You know, if you were homosexual and I was your best friend, and I'm not, but I'm going to join the gay-straight alliance to show my support for you. See, it works the same way with this. They know how it works. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. You can live a long, healthy life 
if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Yeah, well, it, it, and I think that that leads to 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 the overarching question of, and, and obviously I, I know the answer, but I think it's an interesting thing to discuss, is, is this all intentional? Or is this something where you, you're just having authors that just happen to be writing about these issues because this is what is their experience or this is what's going on for them? Cause I, cause I feel like the argument a lot of times, like when I talk about, uh, like movies a lot of times, like, like what, like what I'll, cause I'll always say, look, this is propaganda and in, in order for you to understand what's going on in a movie. So for the next two hours, you have to assume that global global warming is real you have to assume that white supremacy is a major issue in order for the movie to make sense and so that's kind of like a brainwashing uh propaganda technique and and i think that a lot of times the response from the left is you're just you're just a conspiracy theorist you're you're reading too much into it it's just people that are sharing their perspective kind of a thing is this that or is this something that's more sinister where they're actually trying to push propaganda it's intentional how could it be any any other way? And if you're a writer, you can go online and go to these various publishers and they're looking for more, more books that have to do with lesbian sex or, you know, the Black Lives Matter or whatever. So they're deliberately looking for these types of books. So I guess my question would be, how many people publish good manuscripts that never see the light of day? It, 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 it is true, and it, and it is interesting, too, because it does seem like, and again, when it comes to uh, movies, television, books, it seems like it's it's extremely dominated by the left. And then is that is that because conservatives and Christians aren't getting as involved, or is it because we're being pushed out? I've heard arguments both ways. What's your take on that? Well, I would think that we were being pushed out, but let's let's look at some of these corporations. You know, who owns Zondervan and Thomas Nelson? See, you know, under Harper Collins and then News Corp, Rupert Murdoch. You know, what what is it that you expect? I can remember oh, probably 25-30 years ago when I, you know, was early on doing this and finding books that were pure occult that were originally published by Thomas Nelson. Now, who was buying those books? I mean, let's think about it. It was grandmas in a Christian bookstore buying those books for their kids, grandkids. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what kind of a perspective you put in all of that. Yeah. Well, and I, th- and I think that that's, that's the scary thing too, where it's, it seems like even within, you know, Christianity and Christian books and, and, and that sort of thing, you're seeing some of these themes popping up, uh, both, both in adult books as well as in books for kids and, uh, and fiction and like all that kind of stuff. So I think, I think a lot of times too, it's like parents gotta understand like what's even in the, the Christian books that they're buying their kids to read because there's a lot of these lefty talking points that are infiltrating in and you would have no idea because you trust you trust your local Christian bookstore. Yeah, and you, you're you going to see uh, visualization. You're going to see... I mean, there's not much that you're not going to find in a so-called Christian book. You're going to find spirit guide. You're going to find... I mean, they're not negated. It's not like they have something that is uh, against the scripture that God has given us. And then they talk about how it's remedied and how this was wrong. That doesn't happen. And a lot of Christian books are basically character books. You know, you can be very, very, very kind and still uh, reject Christ. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, well, yeah. And I think, and I think that that's, that's something that I think, again, like p- parents, 
and, and adults need need to be aware both for ourselves because I think because I think a lot of times it's really easy to pick up a Christian book and you're like well you know I trust this so I'm going to read it and then understand the influence that it can have on adults and then imagine how much more influence it's going to have on our Christian kids and we got to wonder too how much of this is influencing the the steady stream it seems like of kids that graduate high school they go to college and then they turn into a socialist or Marxist or full-on lefty after after being homeschooled their entire life, after being actively involved in church, and then all of a sudden, they're walking away from their faith. Is it because all of these things have been planted, and then it's triggered when they go to college, and then they're hearing their professors saying everything that they have remember reading growing up? Yeah, and, and it does happen, unfortunately, because whereas the homeschool child might not be out running and doing things that they're not supposed to do, but they might be avid readers. Now, if we could bring up a couple more points here when you talked about whether it's intentional or not. Okay, now the big push from publishers is to have authentic voices. Okay? So if you wanted to write a story, say, um, you know, about homosexuality, then... If you were a homosexual, then it has more weight than if I wrote the book and wasn't one. Okay? That's called authentic voices. So what's really interesting, that has nothing to do with whether you are an excellent writer. And in my book, I bring up Charles Dickens, you know, the old curiosity shop. If you remember Little Nell. And there were people lined up at the wharf in New York City waiting to see whether Nell lived or died. Now, I guarantee you, Charles Dickens was not a 14-year-old girl. He wasn't an authentic voice, but he was such an excellent writer. And in his descriptions, that you had people knowing this is a fictional character, but still lined up and lined up waiting to see whether little Nell lived or died. Okay, so that is an important thing. So anybody who has an authentic voice for whatever the issues are that we're talking about trumps every other voice. Yeah, and, well, and that, that that is really interesting. And, and again, just even as the consumer on, on the other side, like you begin, you begin to see that um, a lot. Uh, you know, in, in the books that are being pushed, you know, because I, you know, I get emails all the time, you know, promoting, you know, to, you know, have people on that are authors of books or, you know, whatever it is. And it always seems like it's, it's always got to be somebody who has experience or like an expert in that background or field or whatever it is. It's, it's never just like this person's a good author. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? It, it's, it's, it is interesting now that you mentioned that. Yeah. And I don't know. That's one that, that really, really bothers me. Uh, you look at the book George, which is for 10-year-old. I mean, it's for juvenile. And that is about the little boy, George, who knows he's always been a girl. He's always been Melissa. Okay. Well, David Levison, who is an author of young adult books, is also an editor at Scholastic. Well, this was Alex Gino, a transgender, that wrote this book. So David Levison actually edited that book, which was a big thing. They published, he had never written a book before, and they published 50,000 copies. Now, if you submit something, you're going to go to say, wow, you know, we're going to, we're just going to run off 50,000 copies, you know, and wait, wait to do a reprint. No, it doesn't happen. But they gave away 10,000 books free. To, to schools and libraries and paraded him around to all the book fairs. So do you think that they would have done that with a conservative? Yeah. They, I mean, let's, let's face it. It wouldn't have happened. So that's how it's done. Yeah. Now, now is, is, do you feel like there is enough, uh, conser- conservative alternatives for parents to be able to be feeding their kids, uh, you know, a healthy, constant stream of books and resources. Do you feel like there's enough out there? It's just, it's not getting found, or is it that we need more conservative Christian voices that are contributing and writing and things like that? 
Well, that's a, a um, it's a really, really, really good question. I think that there's a lot of books that are older, okay? Everybody and their mother puts out a book list of whatever is supposed to be good lists or bad lists. I do not do that. I deal with that in chapter four of my book explaining why. Okay, if I give you a list of bad books, and I say, oh, please, don't let your children read this, then any book that's not on that list you think is open game. Oh, that must be a good book because it's not on a bad book list. And what makes it bad? You and I are different. I'm not talking about doctrine, you know, or things like that. There's there's so many little things. If you are a Democrat and hate Republicans with a passion, there's a lot of books out there today that you absolutely love because a Republican is worse than a Nazi pedophile. Okay. All right. So there's different there's different things on there that people are going to disagree with. I never make those lists. A lot of the lists that I've seen that have, oh, these are the good books that kids could read are not ones that I ever would have chosen as a mother. This isn't a control factor. This is a matter of if you are my son and I am homeschooling you, there's a limited number of books that you can read in the time period that I'm homeschooling you. You can't read it all. There's thousands of kids' books that come out every month. You know, nobody can keep abreast of all of that. But what you've got to do is start reading when your children are young. Like I said, it doesn't take long when you're starting, and then you just kind of make a list. Oh, I like this one. If your kids are toddlers, go to the library one day. Put 30 books in your pile and sit down on one of their couches if a library is still open. And you could read all 30 of those books, and probably 27 of them you're not going to care for that much, but the three you do, make a note. And now if you have 10 children, you know, you, you have a start. And these things are important. Make your own list. Don't be dependent on somebody else. Yeah, and I think that, I think that that's that's to me I think one of the one of the most important you know takeaways is and again this this goes back to a conservative principle but personal responsibility of you know because because I think I think one of the one of the aspects too and uh, one of the problems with like a lot of the lists and you kind of, you kind of you know mentioned it a little bit but everybody kind of has different standards when it comes to what what they want their kids to be exposed to or not and some may be a little bit a little bit you know less conservative some may be more and that's okay cuz you know it, it all depends on how you're parenting how you're teaching and all that kind of stuff but i but i think that the biggest key is going to be the fact that you know what's going into your children's mind whether it's television movies books and things like that and it's it is interesting that it seems like it's the books that parents worry about the least, yet at the same time, it may be the most dangerous. Um, I think you're right. Now, there are a lot of books that I read that that they might have one little thing in there that I didn't care for, an ideology that could have planted a seed. But the book overall was an excellent book. It was somebody with, like you said, a different standard, a different point of view. And I would just say to my kids, hey, when you get to page so-and-so, let's talk about it. It wasn't a matter that you don't want them exposed to that idea. You want to be able to explain to them your perspective of that. You know, so you don't throw out everything, for, you know, for heaven's sakes, although a lot of it should be. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think that that comes back to, you know, how how much we – uh, we shelter versus how much we teach. And I think that there is a kind of a fine line of figuring out what, what is it that we completely, you know, make sure we keep it out of our house and what is it that we need to have a conversation about. And again, it's going to shift from person to person to family to family and, you know, where you live in the country. And there's so many different variables with that. And that's where I do appreciate that you're not just taking like a, a one hard line stance of here's the list of yeses and nos and that's it. Well, I think that's where some people get upset at me. They want me to be this big, big book censor, and every time there's an awful book, I'm supposed to go, you know, somehow take care of it. You can't do that. What are, what are you going to do, seriously? Pull every book out of a library, and then you form a committee of 12 
you know, and every week we read a separate one and then we come and come to consensus about what we think about this one or that one. You know, it's not plausible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that's that's where you know I, th- I think parents in general need to have you know take, you got to take the time. You got you got to read the books. You got to understand what is going in uh, to your kid's mind. So I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, now, if people want more information, and I know you're writing articles and you've got your book and that sort of thing, if they want more information on the kind of on the kind of stuff that we talked about today, what's the best way for them to either get in touch with you or you know read your stuff? Well, they can get in touch with me by going to my website, which is whatsinsidechildrensbooks.com, no apostrophes, all lowercase, and there they can order a hard copy of my book. I do have an ebook on Kindle. My book is oversized. It's eight and a half by 11, so it's easier. It's more like a reference book and a textbook, so I recommend the hard copy. I made the Kindle a version available because there were people internationally and in Canada it was 1725 just to ship a book okay so that's why I did that but I have the contact information on there I put up the articles periodically they can learn everything from uh, reading instructional methods to you know the different things that they need to look for and be concerned with in kids books Um, whole gamut of things you know, on the website. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, highly encourage everybody to do that. Again, you know, just be aware, know what, know what's going on, know what's in the books. It's vitally, vitally important, especially because we're, we're seeing the results of, you know, of all this influence. It's playing out in the streets today. You know, I, I think, I think if we would have known what's actually being taught and we could correct some of the stuff 20 years ago, a lot of this stuff, maybe we could have thwarted a little bit. Um, but yeah, Debbie, I really appreciate you coming on. It was I had had a blast talking to you. Again, this is one of those things. I think it's it's something that a lot of people don't talk about in, in enough, especially when it comes to the literature. So I'm really uh, appreciative of you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Of of course, and then uh, everybody else as well. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. Again, just look up Conversations with Jeff, and that way you guys will be notified every time there's something new that comes out. And then to check out all the rest of the articles and podcasts that we carry here on the GK Podcast Network, go to gatekeepersonline.com, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com spiritpark.